He is worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. I love him incredibly. I have absolutely no idea why he loves me, except for that's who he is. My mom, we lost her seven years ago, way too young, to cancer. But my mom used to be the one that I would go to when things weren't going the way I thought they should or things were going really bad. And all I wanted her to say, I didn't want her to rationalize it. I didn't want her to explain it. I just wanted her to say a few uh, words in one simple line. I just wanted her to look at me and say, it's going to be okay. I knew that she didn't know anything more about it than the doctor or anything more about it than someone else. And it didn't make any rational sense, but it just meant something for her to say it's going to be okay. I was thinking about it the other day because we lost uh, in Parkersburg, my, uh, the one who followed me there as a senior pastor. His wife passed away this week of brain cancer at only 59 years old. And so we were, I was talking to him and with a lot of the people I know from South Parkersburg Baptist. And, and I just thought to myself, you know, it's exactly what God says to us. When it makes no rational sense to the rest of the world, when we're in the midst of these dark times and these painful times, he still looks at us and says, hey, it's going to be okay. It may not be easy. There may be a lot of tears before you get there, but it's always going to be okay. That's a pretty incredible way to be able to live our lives, isn't it? Just shake your head if you agree with me, isn't it? There you go. There you go. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, and we do know that there are a lot of people who are hurting in this world. A lot of people, Lord, I'm sure, who are hurting in this sanctuary. I just pray that, Lord, as we have worshipped you through song this morning and been in your presence in this place as we fellowshiped with one another, that your Holy Spirit has spoken to us in, in ways that challenge us and change us, but, but, Lord, in also ways that comfort us and just simply say to us, it's going to be okay. Father, as we continue to look at who we need to be, we pray that you'll use us to speak those words in the lives of others and that we will not be the ones who carry darkness into people's lives, not the one who carry hatred and judgment and all that other junk, but that we are indeed the ones who carry the light of your love and of your forgiveness and your grace. Thank you for all of us here who have experienced that today. There's one here who hasn't. I pray that they will this day. And I pray that we will be ambassadors of that grace as we leave this place. And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Be nice. Have you ever had someone have to tell you, be nice? Maybe your mom or your dad. Maybe your spouse. You're in the midst of that conversation with that waiter or that waitress. You're in that drive through line at the bank. You're somewhere and, and someone around you has to give you that sweet little nudge or that swift kick in the pants to say, look, Ed, be nice. To be reminded that we have a choice to make in all of these situations. To be reminded that as followers of Christ, we really should be nice. I, I want you to do this little exercise with me this morning. I want you to stand up. Go ahead, stand up. Those of you who can, there you go. I want you to look to someone around you, behind you, in front of you, beside of you. Just say something nice, all right? Say something nice to them. Come on. Find somebody. 
If you had to walk more than five rows to find someone you could say something nice to, you have a problem. You need to stay after service today, okay? <laughs> now I want you to turn to someone and tell them when was the last time someone said something nice to you and how it made you feel. Five seconds ago, right? How did it make you feel? <laughs> you all can sit down. You all can sit down. So. The fact is, it does make us feel good when someone says something nice to us, doesn't it? Or we find out that someone said something nice about us to somebody else. It just makes us feel good. I, I remember reading a, uh, a little story one time of a little boy who said to his dad, Hey, Dad, let's go out in the yard and play catch. And he said, You throw the ball, I'll catch it, and you can tell me how awesome I am. That's exactly what a lot of us are looking for in the midst of this life that we live where there is so much condemnation, where there is so much negativity, where everybody seems to be telling us what's wrong with us, sometimes we just want someone to be nice. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11, some of you probably know this scripture. It probably ought to be hanging on all of our refrigerators or somewhere where we can look at it every day. It says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Read that out loud with me, would you? A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And that's exactly kind of what we've been looking at in this series that we've been in. This is the third week, Words with Friends. Looking at the incredible power that our words have. Our words have this incredible power to lift people up, to encourage people, to share God's grace and His love and His mercy, and sometimes to even tell the truth when it hurts, the truth about sin and sinfulness. But all of those are positive things. But then on the other hand, our words have the power to be very discouraging and to be very destructive. In James chapter 3, verse 3 through 12, it is made very clear the power of our words. When the writer of James says this, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder whenever the, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You've had that experience, right? You know people who have burnt the house down with their tongue. You know when you did, correct? You know when you did that damage that is incredible, that, that has never been repaired because you didn't tame your tongue. 
Statistics say that if all of our words were put into print, the result would be this. A single day's words of an average person would fill a 50-page book. In a year, the same average person's words would fill 132 books of 200 pages each. Now, if you think of it in terms of writing a book every day with the words we say and writing 132 200-page books every year with everything that we say, the question becomes, what kind of books am I writing with my words? What kind of legacy am I leaving behind for my brothers and sisters in my church to read? What kind of legacy am I leaving behind for those I work with to read? What kind of legacy am I leaving behind in the lives of my children, in the lives of my spouse, in the lives of my brothers and sisters? For us to be able to really write these books in a God-honoring way, I want to look at some folks who were not writing very good books themselves, people who were in the midst of having unbridled, untamed tongues, and they were the people of Ephesus. If you want to go ahead and turn to the book that bears their name in the book of Ephesians, you, well, just to set it up a little bit, they had a bit of a problem. The problem was they weren't living in unity. They were not making a connection to others in their faith, if you will. They, they, were, they were dishonoring one another, disrespecting one another, and thus disrespecting and dishonoring God. And, and I want to look at that and just kind of bounce off of that how we might be able to take some of Paul's advice that help us grow deeper in our relationships with one another through the use of our words. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Just a few verses there, starting in verse 29, it says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now I want to stop for just a minute with verse 29. Because I think if I were able to go into every church in the United States of America, across the entire world, and I were able to get a promise that was a real promise that every Christian in the whole world from today until the Lord comes back is going to honor this verse, I think we would change the world. Leave all the other verses out. If we honored chapter 4, verse 29 of Ephesians, and we let nothing come out of our mouths except what is helpful for building others up according to their need, and that benefits those who listen, I think we would change the world over. I think we would change this community. We would change every local church. We would change our families. Do you agree? Shake your head yes if you do. If not, just sit there, okay? There you go. If you look at this kind of in reverse, this kind of very practical progression here, we can become a little bit more uh, uh, people who honor God. And what I mean by that is go on down through the next few verses because What we have in verse 29 is kind of the outcome of some other stuff happening. In verse 30 it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 31, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How? Just as in Christ God forgave you. So, what I'm saying by the kind of reverse progression is, Look what's happening in verse 29. Don't let anything come out of your mouth if it is unwholesome, if it is not beneficial for others. And you go clear down and you drill down into the very last phrase in verse 32. And we are to be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And the reverse of that is, because God forgave us, right, 
We should not have any of this bitterness in our hearts, right? And so this unwholesome talk should not be coming out of our mouth. And so when we hear what Paul's saying to us, what he's saying literally is this. He's saying, I need to speak refreshing, not rotten words on a daily, regular basis. He goes to that problem first that Ephesus is experiencing. Don't let any of that unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Now in the Greek, the word he used here is sapros, which literally means rotten. It's like a piece of rotten fruit, if you will. It stinks. It's nasty. Don't let any of that language come out of your mouth. A little bit later, he uses this and he goes a little bit more um, specific, if you will, by using the word slander. And the Greek word there is blasphemia, which is literally abusive speech. Now, there is all kinds of unwholesome talk. There is talk that's born out of anger, born out of guilt. But the one I want to look, about, look at today, and I want to be really specific about, that is unwholesome and that is destructive, and is completely within this category that Paul's talking about, is this. I want to look at gossip. How many of you want to stay? <clears throat> because I don't want you, when I'm talking about this, to think about the person you already are thinking about. Because the very second I said gossip, some of you went, I know who this sermon's for. You may have not looked at them, but you thought about them already. You thought about an instance that you have been involved in with them. And you thought, man, I hope they hear this. And what I want you to do is block that person completely out of your mind and put your face in their place. Because I believe that every single one of us at some time in our life are guilty of this rotten sapros talk that we often label as gossip. Now we know gossip is rotten talk and we recognize it when other people do it. And we know it's not good and we know it's not right. And we know when our phone rings and we see that person that we really shouldn't answer. But even though it's so rotten, even though it's so nasty, we like it so much. We love to listen to it. We, we love to spread it, even though some of you are saying, not me, preacher. Uh-uh, I hate it, right? But for some reason, it's like a train wreck. It, we just can't take our eyes off of it. We just can't shut our ears to it. Sometimes we just can't help but share it. Proverbs 26 through 22 says this, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. I have three daughters. The negative side of having three daughters in the house is I never got any of the toys that I wanted as a dad to play with when they were growing up. <clears throat> and I have to watch the nastiest, horriblest movies in the whole wide world. You know, the Lifetime Channel and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sitting in the house the other night. My oldest daughter's over with her kids and my youngest daughter's there. My middle daughter's there with her fiance. And we're all sitting there and they're watching this vampire movie Twilight. You all seen that? You know, it's old. It's been out for 10 years or whatever. They're watching it on TV, and I walk in on the scene where the vampire guy is dating the human girl, and he's obviously having a bit of a struggle because he loves her, but he just keeps smelling her blood, you know? And, and, and one of my daughters says something like, you know, boy, he's really disciplined, isn't he? And I said, yeah, that's kind of like me dating a bag of potato chips, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I meant that in, in a very serious way. Somehow that applies to this. I'm not exactly sure how. But, but I think in here it is this kind of 
this kind of gossip is kind of like that relationship, you know? It's like we shouldn't be in this relationship. I, I shouldn't want to hear this. I shouldn't like to hear this. I'll tell someone else how awful it was that so-and-so told me this right after I tell them what they told me. And it has destructive consequences in our lives. Destructive consequences in our families, in our communities, in our church, and in our country, and in our world. <clears throat> the destruction is powerful and widespread. I, I like this word scuttlebutt. The title of the, of the sermon today is Silence versus Scuttlebutt. And you can kind of probably get where I'm going with this. If all you're going to do is share the scuttlebutt, you ought to just keep quiet. You ought to choose silence on the other side. But the whole idea of scuttlebutt, most of you know, comes from, you know, kind of the, the, the sailing industry and, and the sailors would gather around the butt, which was the, the water cask that they drank out of. And they put the word together with scuttle, which was to put a hole in the ship, to sink a ship. And, and, and in those in the sailor, you know, in the Navy and so forth, the scuttlebutt is those, that language that happens around the water cooler, which kind of comes over into us, and that's those stories around the water cooler. And really what it is is just kind of this whole idea of gossip. Sharing stories that really aren't helpful, and now they may be true, but just because they're true doesn't also mean they're, they're not gossip. Just because it's true doesn't mean it's wholesome. Just because it's true doesn't mean it needs to be shared. Doesn't mean it's encouraging. Doesn't mean it lifts someone up. And so in the midst of all of this, what we need to do is to realize that Scuttlebutt is destructive. There's an old Yiddish folktale that some of you might have heard before, which talks about a guy in a town who really didn't like this local rabbi, and he was spreading rumors to try to discredit this rabbi all over town. And finally, he got a little bit of a conviction about that, and he went to the rabbi, and he begged for his forgiveness, and the rabbi said, well, what you need to do is you need to go down to the town square, take a couple feather pillows, cut them open, and wave them in the air. Come back here and see me. And he comes back and he says, Rabbi, I, I did it. And he, and he said, what else do I need to do to make amends for what I've done to you? And the rabbi says, well, to really understand the destructive power of your words, now go back and pick up all the feathers. And there's some real truth in that, that, that this whole shedding of gossip and sharing of gossip, this scuttlebutt, it is so incredibly destructive. And, and it really is impossible to always rescue and bring back all of the damage that comes through unwholesome talk and abusive speech. And so what we need to do is we need to replace our rotten speech with this kind of refreshing speech that Paul talks about here. Paul goes on to say, let, let us talk what is helpful to others, what meets their needs, what benefits all who are listening, and let this be the litmus test of whether you should say it or not. Is it wholesome? Does it benefit others? Is it benefit everyone who is listening? The word he uses here in the Greek is agathos, and it, and it really means good, beneficial words that literally give grace. Be nice. Give grace. You're going to be tempted today to be short with somebody. You're going to be tempted today because you're a masterful uh, a master at sarcasm, and you're proud of it. And someone's going to open the door wide open for you, and you're not going to be able to resist and making a sarcastic comment. Stop yourself. Is this rotten, or is it refreshing? Does it build people up, or does it tear people down? 
I was graduating. I wasn't actually graduating. I was in the middle of seminary. I was working as a full-time associate pastor at South Parkersburg Baptist Church. I was preaching on a regular basis. I was going to school. I was doing all kinds of stuff. And I started having something happen in my life that I couldn't explain. I found out after two excruciating years of suffering in silence that I was having major panic attacks. Thought I was dying on a regular basis and uh, just really having a hard time getting through life at that time. Faking it around everybody else. Nobody else knew what was going on except for my wife, which was about ready to leave me and take the kids because I was making her life completely miserable. Unless I was at the church, I wouldn't go out of the house. I had no social contact. I was a mess. And I remember the first time it happened during a sermon because I could usually fight through it. But I got up front to do a sermon in front of about four or 500 people and I just froze and I broke out into a cold sweat and I had no idea what to do and I couldn't say anything. I couldn't see my notes. I was just going, I was a mess. Heart was racing, turning white. This man in the back, who's one of the staunchest people in the world, who people would say, you know, he is all about the doctrine, yada, yada, yada. He stands up in the back row. His name's Tom Davis. Tom stands up in the back row. He's about 85, 86 years old at that time. And he looks at me, standing at the front, and he says, Hey, Ed, it's obvious you're having some struggles this morning. We love you. Why don't you go downstairs Get yourself a drink and sit down for a while, and we'll sing a few hymns. And if you feel like coming back up and finishing, come on. If you don't, we'll be okay. Don't worry about it. And I walked out of there. I stayed at that church for 24 more years, you know. And a lot of it is because of that attitude of love and grace that was there. And there wasn't any of this, he's messed up, you know. There wasn't any of this, what's wrong with you? It was, we love you. We want to walk through this with you. And as a result of that, I got some help, and I got over those pretty daggone quick in my life, praise the Lord. And as a result of that, I was able to help a lot of other people going through them in their life as well. But it's just simply this. He spoke words of grace. Now, am I naive? No. Did someone get in the car that day and go, that kid ain't never going to make it? You know, more than likely. Did someone say, well, that was a fiasco. I don't want to go back there again. That was a waste of my time to sing songs this morning, more than likely. But Tom Davis spoke words of grace into my life, and I'll never forget it as long as I live. Are you writing rotten or refreshing stories with your words? Here's the truth. You can change today. Here's the truth. You can make that choice at the drive through today. You can make that choice when you sit down with the waitress today. I have a pastor friend who's so outgoing, and I'm an introvert. I know it doesn't appear that way when I'm up front, but I'm horribly introverted. I don't like being around people that much. I love you, but people drive me crazy. I need alone time, right? And I'm eating with this pastor friend of mine who's incredibly extroverted, and he does something that I would never do. It's just not me. It's not who I am. The waitress comes over, and he goes, hey, can we pray for you today? What is, any, what is something going on in your life we can pray about? And I'm going, oh, come on. She doesn't want you to mess with her, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, this is ridiculous. You know what she does? She takes a little pad she's writing on down, lays it beside the table, kneels down beside the table and says, I'm struggling horribly. Are you Christians here? And there were four pastors there, and three of us were like, you know, this guy's an idiot. But the one was like, yeah, we're all pastors. And then by that time, we're all cool with it. You know, we're like, yeah, we're pastors. You know? And she says, hey, here's what I'd like you to pray for me about. And with tears 
streaming down her face in the middle of Applebee's. We prayed a prayer with this lady. Words of grace spoken into people's lives. You have the opportunity every single day. Not rotten words, but refreshing words. But to do that, Paul says your heart needs to be full of kindness and compassion. See, it starts here. You don't just fake these things. You don't just pretend these things. Paul says, if you're kind and compassionate forgiving one another, then you'll speak these words. And he says, you should be kind and compassionate forgiving one another because guess what? Christ forgave you. Anybody remember that? How dare you get mad at the 16-year-old for not getting your coffee to you fast enough at Tim Hortons? How dare you show everybody in the restaurant what kind of a person you are by screaming and hollering because you didn't get your coffee fast enough? See, I just say that because I've been there. But if Christ has forgiven us for the things we've done, and if as a result we have forgiving hearts, we will speak these words. So here's the thing. If we can say this, my heart is transformed to one of kindness and compassion when I surrender myself to God through Christ. And as a result, I will speak refreshing words of grace. And if all I'm going to do is share the scuttlebutt, then I'll just be quiet. Because there's no place for that. None at all. You guys are in the midst of an incredible transition in the history of your church. God already knows who he's bringing to be your next leader. Already knows what his future is for you. What he wants you to accomplish for him. Already knows whether you're going to do it or not. But I can guarantee you this. Whether you do or you don't is going to be greatly related to what kind of books you write with your words. What you say. Born out of who you are. Born out of who you belong to will make a huge difference. Will you join me in a word of prayer?